The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITO Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITO coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you're looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group, inside the U.S. or abroad, they are there to match you to the trip for you. Blue Pineapple Travel will help you curate all of the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by SlayRx. You can find them at www.slayrx.com. SlayRx is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayRx was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlons. He started making his own mixes and now you can enjoy those same mixes. SlayRx offers differing levels of electrolytes in their hydration products and you can get them with or without calories. You can either take their online test at SlayerX.com or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, SlayerX offers fueling products like their product Diesel, which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legally enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. If you're looking for alternative gels, try SlayerX Spark Plug, a Pop Rocks-like powder that combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorbed carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be carried while running, and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness, and performance. Remember, tell them the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast sent you by using the coupon code PLEASANT2020 at checkout on their website, and you'll get 10% off anything you purchase there. That's SlayerX.com, Pleasant2020. Test, don't guess, with SlayerX. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast possible. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slayer X. My name is George Darden. I am an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor, and I'm a father of twin boys. And I'm Patrick Andre, and I'm also an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a CPA and a mom to three girls. Big day. Michelle and Patrick, <laughs> like a lot of things happening in the endurance world today. Uh, and they all happen to tie into what we talked about last week. And so this is going to be like part two of, of getting back to racing, right? Seems like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so later on in the podcast, last week we had like the, the athlete's point of view on resuming racing. Um, this week we're going to have the race director's point of view on, on resuming racing. And so in just a little while here, we're actually going to be bringing on Tony Hammett. Uh, who's the uh, the owner of uh, Peak Racing, uh, who we've talked 
we've talked about before. We've never actually talked to him on the podcast. Uh, among other things, Peak Racing puts on the Jekyll Island Half Marathon, which Patrick and I both ran back in January. But anyway, we're going to hear his point of view about all of that. Um, real quick, before we bring Tony on, Patrick, how you doing, man? Some not-so-great news for your running future came out yesterday. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, – you almost call it like Black Wednesday today for a lot of races, including uh, my – the Minneapolis marathon, which I registered for in the very, very short window between the public's marathon and when everything was shut down, I think it was almost like a week or so. Uh, so it didn't take long for, for that uh, particular event to look like it wasn't going to happen. But yeah. They shut down the Minneapolis marathon, twin cities marathon. It was announced that really, you know, all the big races in Minneapolis weren't going to take place in 2020. So I received the email. I'm sure many others did. And that was really the first of a few different dominoes to follow this week. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Patrick's been talking all about how he's base training and everything, but <laughs> you know, we, we knew Michelle and I knew he had signed up for the twin cities marathon. So of course, Patrick was one of the first people I thought of when, uh, when I saw that twin cities was in fact canceled. Twin cities is one of the top 10 largest marathons in the United States. So it's not a, a, a tiny event by any stretch. I want to say it's like number seven or number eight or something like that. So um, what did, what did they offer you Patrick in terms of, of deferral or refund or anything like that? Or if any you know, you know, it's silly. I haven't even looked at that yet. And I know that sounds odd, but like I, I looked to make sure I didn't have to make a decision now and was like, I'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll get to that once we know more, because at this point, who really knows? Because there's so many things going on. I mean, right now we hope to have spring marathons. Who knows if we're not able to have those, how much that will affect, you know, fall 2021. At this point, so I'm just taking a hands-off approach. Mm -hmm. And to your point about like the base training, like we knew this was coming for a lot of these fall races that it was going to take. I mean, yeah. just yeah. a miraculous act or just a magical vaccine dropped from the heavens at this point for, mm -hmm. for those races to be run. Yeah. I had, um, I had an athlete who texted me, an athlete that I coached texted me yesterday and she said that Ironman Louisville, which is that same weekend and also right around that same time as the Chicago marathon, which we'll mm -hmm. talk about here in a second, Ironman Louisville, which is not sold out suddenly just turned off their registration. Um, but they have not canceled it yet. They have haven't they? canceled it. Right. They just turned it off. Interesting. Um, and, and I was telling her, and then also the, about the same time that Twin Cities announced that they were canceled, London announced that they're not canceled. Um, London actually put out a statement and said, no, 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 we're not canceled. We're planning to proceed as, as planned on October 14th here. And I, I told her, I texted her at the time, I said, Twin Cities canceled. Louisville is doing dodgy things. Um, um, London feels compelled to actually put out there that they're not canceled. I said, I feel like the October wave of cancellations is about to come here. Um, and, and sure enough, Michelle, what happened today? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we're skipping what's going on with me, which is great. <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> uh, what we'll happened to today? Virtual Boston training in a minute. Go ahead, Michelle. Okay. So first of all, London is still scheduled to run October 4th, not October 14th. Mm. Um, which is a little bit shocking because I don't know what came first in our text box today, but uh, New York Roadrunners put out an announcement that the New York City Marathon is canceled. And then I don't think it was, it must have been less than 10 minutes when I texted back the Berlin announcement to you that Berlin was officially canceled. Mm -hmm. um, and we also found out that the Hamburg Marathon is going to take place. Um, they're going to have 10,000 runners in the marathon. Mm -hmm. That will be a mass field and elite field. And they're also going to run the half marathon with 4,000 runners. Um, the social distancing guidelines put in place are just, I can't even imagine how this is going to play out with yeah. 10,000, you know, 14,000 runners. But mm -hmm. 
they are extreme. Um, so I almost wonder if, you know, all of the larger road races are going to be looking to the Hamburg marathon to see how well do they execute this plan, yeah. you know, and is it something that can be reciprocated really across the world? Um, so, so yeah, let's, let's talk about those one by one a little bit more. So, so London, I guess we don't really need to talk about that much. You're right. It's October 4th, not October 14th, but, um, but, but, uh, the, the, uh, Can we just talk about the, the chances of it happening are so slim. I think they're oh. slim. I would agree with you on that. But September 27th, of course, was a Berlin marathon, which originally I was slated to run, which I've, I've written off for a while here. I, I was pretty certain was not going to happen. And it's not. Right. Um, you'll recall, like, more than two months ago, they said, it's not going to happen the way that we thought it was going to happen. And, and right. everybody's like, oh, it's canceled. And then we realized, wait a second. They've left themselves a little bit of wiggle room here. Um, and so they announced um, that, that they were, in fact, going to be canceled. And the reason they're going to be canceled is because the, initially the, the city senate of Berlin, so the, the lawmaking body in Berlin, said you can't have mass events. And then that was actually extended to the entire country of Germany until mid-October. You can't have any events with more than 5,000 people. Hamburg, though, notably, as, as Michelle just said, got a waiver. Um, for that September 13th, the day that before what was supposed to be Boston, um, because they said we're putting in place some really, really rigid, hardcore uh, protocols here. Um, so they said uh, they have this big, massive starting area that's inside, and it's inside an arena, and they have all these separate hallways in which they're going to be putting people kind of corralled together inside in these separate hallways from one another. The only people that are going to be, the largest group of people that are going to be going to the start line together are the elites, and there's only 30 of them. None of the elites are going to be coming from the United, United States, States of America. <laughs> uh, yeah. since, since, as you know, the EU has basically said nobody from the United States can come into the EU right now. Um, right. And so, so it's going to be largely folks from, that are they're on the cleared list from the EU, which would be African and European runners, um, a lot of Euro European runners. Um, no Brazilians either. Um, no Russians either. Um, but anyway, um, but yeah, as, as Michelle said, most notably, I think that, or the most interesting thing is they, they're going to give you a face covering that has a filter in it. And they say you have to wear that face covering the entire time. And then the gun goes off, you go through the starting line. Once you actually get out on the race course, you can pull it down, but want, but you have to keep it on. And then once you cross the finish line, you have to put it back, it back on again. Immediately. Yeah. You have to pull it back on again. Um, and so, so yeah, that and several other things, prepackaged food and stuff like that, there was, there was enough to, to convince the, the, the lawmaking body in Germany that that was going to be a safe event. And, and, Ger and Berlin evidently just wasn't quite able to pull that off. They was, just didn't feel as if they could create an event where they were going to be able to do those sorts of things. So, so it's not going to happen. Um, something that is going to happen is the Blue Ridge Relay. Yay, George. That, that same excited. weekend. So, so George finally ha suddenly has a, a event on the calendar that's not virtual. <laughs> Well, your 5K next weekend should so, you, so you that, know, that's this that's this weekend. Um, that's okay. on Sunday. This weekend, next weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, that's on Sunday, which I prepared for by doing virtual RAM, and which I can tell you about later on, which is hard. Um, but anyway, um, uh, no, the Blue Ridge Relay is September 11th and 12th. Um, it's the Friday and Saturday prior to um, prior to what was supposed to be Boston Monday, the rescheduled Boston Monday. Um, we've talked about the Blue Ridge Relay on here several times before. I've had a couple of members, three members of my, no, two members of my Blue Ridge Relay team actually come on the, the podcast before. Um, they are they're shrinking the field from about 190 teams down to just 100 teams. 
Um, and so there'll be fewer total people on course. Rather than starting every 30 minutes with about 20 people at a time, they're starting every five minutes with only two teams at a time. Um, and most notably, they are giving every team member the same number of masks as you will be legs running. And so I'm going to be running six legs since I'm part of a multi, uh, an ultra team. Uh, and that means they're going to give me a, a, a special mask that says Blue Ridge Relay on it. They're going to be six of them. Um, and anytime that I'm uh, outside of the van, whether I'm the active runner or not, I actually have to put it up and, and be wearing it. So if I'm in the exchange zone, I have to be putting it up. Uh, teams are discouraged from mixing with one another inside the exchange zone. If I'm down waiting for the exchange to be made, I have to have my mask actually on, the one that they provided to us. Um, and then I have to continue wearing it until I'm more than 50 feet away from the exchange zone. And then any time during my particular leg of the Blue Ridge Relay, if I get within 20 feet of another runner, I have to put it up until I pass them or they pass me um, and they're more than 20 feet away. And then at that point I can pull it back down. And then as I'm finishing up whatever leg I'm running, I get within 50 feet of the exchange zone, I put it back on again and I have to leave it on until I get back inside my van. So it's- So how do you feel fun. about all that? <laughs> I am here for it. I am good with it. Um, because it's a race, because it's something that gets to actually happen? Yeah, and, and also because it's like a for real policy do you know what i'm right. saying it's not like sure. oh we're just gonna kind of do it. it's like it's like no they're like you're gonna wear your mask and they're doing temperature checks before you can get into the starting area and and if you don't pass the temperature check before you get into the starting area <laughs> patrick. Um, patrick's just showing us his dog now um but, patrick but, missed the part last week where we said we're not dog people <laughs> <laughs> um but they're doing temperature checks and, and if, you, if you if you register a high temperature um uh prior to the start they don't let you start the race um, and so, so all of these things that, that are kind of um, on the CDC guidance list, um, they're doing all of those things. And so I'm, I think it's great. Um, and they're not being wishy-washy about it either. They're not like, well, we're going to give you all a mask, but you can wear it if you want to. They're like, no, wear your mask anytime you're outside the van and wear your mask when you're in the exchange zone and wear your mask while you're running if you're passing somebody. And that's and will the rule. Your, will your team be disqualified if you don't wear the no. mask? So that's the question. Like, what's the consequence? And sure. I'm not totally sure about that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I read through all that stuff and I couldn't really find exactly the consequence. Um, I mean, I got this like an hour before we came on the air. And so, so I'm not totally sure of it. I like the rules a lot. I'm excited about getting to do it. It basically exposes you to the other people that are in your van. And, and that's it. That's their vision is to, to, to expose you to the other people in your van. So the driver and the five guys, the five other guys that are running. Um, and so I'll be mingling with them. Um, but those are the only germs I'll be mingling with, um, as opposed to hundreds of people that I would normally be mingling with in, in a big old Blue Ridge Relay, right? So that's their policy. And that seems like a perfect segue to bring on a race director, don't you think? I think so. I think so too. All right. So, um, well, let's go ahead and bring on Tony Hammett here. Let me pull him out of the waiting room. Can you hear us, Tony? Hey guys. Yep. I'm here. Tony is a race director. And like we said last week, we actually had, uh, Katie, uh, Bennett who had actually run a race and, and talked to us about what it was like to, to run an actual race and the stuff that's, uh, in and going on right now. But, but Tony is, is now uh, a race director. And so he's going to kind of give us the race director's point of view. So, so we really appreciate you being here, Tony. Hey, thanks for having us. I appreciate it. Tell us real quick. Let's, let's kind of do a little background. Tell us a little bit about peak racing, like, like how long you've been around and, and tell us about your races. Yep. So peak racing started about eight years ago. I actually started as a triathlon and endurance sports coach and race director. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we 
morphed into what we are today, I had to make a decision. Should I stay with coaching or race directing? Because it was honestly, it was two full-time jobs. And by the way, I was still working in corporate America. So really I was doing three full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. I had to make a decision. It was very challenging for me. Uh, I chose race directing. Uh, I do miss my athletes. Um, and I still race just to be in touch with, um, you know, our athletes and whatnot, but that's how we kind of started is uh, I was a coach and wanted to get into race directing more and more and more opportunities popped up as they uh, popped up. I did not turn anything down for about six years. Wow. Yeah. So we did, we do, you know, trail races, running races, as you know, George, you've done a lot of ours and whatnot. So. So there's a wide variety of races that you guys put on. Did you acquire them? Did you create them? I mean, how did that come about? Great question. Yep, about it's a combination of, of the two. And actually, we have clients like, for instance, Jekyll Island, we do their turtle crawl 5k and 10k, which started as a, a triathlon, and I added the 5k and 10k for them. They've since dropped the triathlon and kept the 5k and 10k. So <laughs> I did some consulting for them. So that's one case where they're a, a more of a, a client, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, we acquired Hotlanta. That's the one we do in June, typically. Uh, that was something that I've been eyeing for quite a while. And I really wanted to uh, have that one on our calendar. But the other ones like Red Top and our Cochrane Mill Trail races, uh, that was something we built from the ground up. It took about four or five years to really get to where we wanted them. So it's, it's really a, a huge combination of the three, really, client, and then we built some and acquired others. Right on. What kind of race do you like putting on the most? Trail races, road races? What do you like most? Uh, I would say the trail running races. That's where my heart is. I've been running trails since I was about seven or eight years old, um, BMX style, uh, biking. So yeah, mountain biking and, and trail racing, that's really where my heart is. So we, uh, let's just say we're planning to do even more of those in the next couple of years. Right on, right on. Yeah. I've, and I've run, I've run the Cochrane Mill 13.1, the half marathon that y'all put on, which is a trail race, which is a great race. So Thank you. very good. For Tony, sure. I realized speaking of the races that you do, that, that, you might not realize this. You've actually been on our podcast before. So, so Patrick and I, in January, when we both ran the Jekyll Island half marathon, when you were doing the results, I kind of hit record on my phone and I recorded you saying first place, Patrick Ollinger, second place, George Darden. And then I played that audio as like a bridge between our pre-race conversation and our post-race conversation. So your voice has actually been on, on this podcast before. I actually caught that guy. So thank you for doing that. I, I caught that. Yep. And I think I briefly met you, Patrick, you were asking about awards and of course, George, we've known each other for a while. So, uh, it was good to see you guys and thank you for adding me, but, um, yeah, that was fun to see you guys there. And you guys did uh, obviously very well at that race. It's, it's a cool race, man. I have said on this podcast several times that, and I said it after that race, that, that one of my indicators of whether a race is a good race is, is it, does it feel like what it's, what it's titled as? Mm-hmm. So does the New York City Marathon feel like you're doing a marathon in New York City? The Jekyll Island Half Marathon felt like I was doing a half marathon <laughs> in Jekyll Island. And it was unique in that regard. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for saying that. And I think I told you, George, maybe even a year ago, what you ran, what you, you guys ran, was what I had in my head for about four or five years. I mean, I've been working on Jekyll for seven years. Mm-hmm. And it took four years to get approval and a permit for the marathon. Mm. And then we slowly added the half marathon. We wanted to make sure we could do it right. Um, so the course you ran, that's exactly what I pictured. Minus some of the sand, there's a lot of sand I realized <laughs> towards the back half. I realized that, believe it or not, we had two volunteers shoveling sand until about the start of the race, trying to get that cleared out for you. So we did our best, but. Uh, I, I, yeah. I think it was about right. Patrick, what do you think? 
Yeah, I was going to say in the sand, almost to George's point, I mean, you're on right. Jekyll Island. I you're going to get yeah. sand. You're going to get beach. I mean, you got the view of the bridge there as you're running on the sand. I yep. felt like that was just part of the experience. I agree. Um, I and, agree. and, you know, this is kind of a two-part question, but what inspired you to, to do a race at Jekyll Island? And then what inspires you to do a lot of these races? Like, do you just fall in love with a setting or a place? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of where do, where do a lot of these race ideas come from? It really is a good question. The setting. It is a setting. Um, like I said, about seven years ago, we were asked to put on the turtle crawl, uh, 5k, 10k and the triathlons. There were two triathlons there too. And obviously that's how I describe George's races as well. The turtle crawl, the turtle crawl. Yeah. <laughs> that's me when I'm training Thanks, on Jared. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's what happens when you always lose to Patrick, right? <laughs> I don't yeah. always lose to Patrick. No, that's the myth, Michelle. That's yeah. funny. But but Patrick, I, I probably put in about 200 miles running and another couple hundred uh, just riding around Jekyll Island. Yeah. And I said to my co-race director, Rogelio, uh, we've got to put a marathon on here. I said, there's not a marathon in the Golden Isles, which is you know the, the Brunswick, St. Simons, Jekyll mm-hmm. area. And I said, there's, there's, nothing like, there's nothing like Jekyll Island. He agreed. So we tried for, like I said, about four years to get approval. And finally the board, because it's – uh, it's a government entity, so they have a huge board, and they finally approved it after four years. And I told Rogelio, we have to knock this out of the park from day one, or we're not going to be asked to come back. So I think we're doing okay. You guys are the athletes, you tell me. But um, we're, gonna, we're hoping to bring it back in January, you know. With, cool. Of course, we're in a challenging situation, obviously, with COVID-19 and whatnot. But we really hope to bring it back in January. Yeah, so I think that's what we want to talk about a little bit. I was on your mm-hmm. website earlier today and I saw Red Top and I don't know why I got excited because I knew that it was still the dates for 2019. But um, I know a lot of stuff has got a to be determined. A bunch of stuff later in the fall doesn't even have that. So are you guys making any adjustments or hope to get any of the fall races uh, running even with you know social distancing modifications or what does that look like? Yes, we do. Actually, we've been working on permits for quite a while, right? Um, and you know, as you know, Red Top's a state park. So right. th- we, we've been partners with them for about four years at this point. So I feel like that we've built a positive relationship and that does certainly help. So I've met with them and they said, just um, send us your, your new course maps, because they said we will have to make sure the course actually is still going to be safe with you know, COVID-19 happening and whatnot. And they said, we need to see what procedures and policies you're going to put in place. So they're asking me, they're not telling me, they're asking me, what are you going to do to make sure it's a safe environment? Does so, that look like less single track, less off trail? Like, what does that look like? Do you think? It does. It looks like we're going to stay mostly on we'll say the groomed trail so to speak okay. you know for sure. instance the iron hill and, and homestead right. um and that's for safety reasons they just want to make sure we can identify everyone although we have several course coordinators and volunteers on the courses and we know where everyone is i completely get that they don't want anyone wandering off and getting lost for 30 minutes sure um, not knowing what's going to happen um so yeah we're, we've intentionally all, almost removed all the dates from our website just because I don't like to publish a race or open registration, not knowing the date, but we are speaking with Retop actually tomorrow about uh, our swim run Tennessee. I'm sorry, swim run Georgia race, which we're hoping to have in September and then our red top adventure run and then the red top 25 K and 50 K. So we are hopefully playing to end the season in red top and Cochrane mill. We still haven't raced in Cochrane this year. So we really want to get down there hopefully October, November. And that would be a national park service permit that you have to get? 
So oh, actually, uh, that believe it or not, Chattahoochee Hills, Georgia purchased that entire park about five years ago. Oh, so, really? Yes. So I only have to work with the city, which is, again, great. We've had a very positive relationship for about four years. I mean, I, I have all the, the city manager, the mayor's <laughs> phone numbers, believe it or not, I can just call yeah. them. So it, we've kept the lines of communication very open. And they said their words, we don't see why we can't race this year. So I just have to, again, put all the policies and procedures in place, go down there, show them what we're going to do and go forward. So, so, just, so you said you don't want to talk about dates and I totally understand that. And you, you don't want to commit to a date and have people register right. and then be like, Oh yeah, never mind. I, I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. Um, but here we are in June. Mm -hmm. um, and then as you know, like, like, as we've talked about on this podcast over the course of the past couple of weeks, uh, some races have, have started to begin again. Um, uh, when you, 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 you kind of talked about October there, when are you kind of thinking you might be, be dipping your toes in the water? I really, I'm optimistic, George, that October will be Cochrane Mill. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if their board approves it, they have a board and a, a city council meeting. So we have to get two approvals really. And then the permit will be signed. I'm pretty optimistic for even uh, early October, really. Um, I think we've given them enough time to think about it. And then Red Top would be hopefully November and December to, to mirror what we did last year. So the adventure run would come first. Um, I think Michelle, you're asking about off trail. It, that's why they want to see the map. It may or may not include some off trail, which we love because we got finally got permission after three years to get some off trail running, uh, which was fantastic. But I'm really anyway. happy to stay on trail there. So. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 uh, we pride ourselves in marking our trails very well, but still uh, you miss a sign. You know what happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little bit off there. So, but that, that's how we really want to end the season is Cochrane Mill and then two at Red Top. Mm -hmm. And again, hopefully even swim run Georgia, in September. Um, just a hint for your audience, we may have to modify that course just a little too because mm -hmm. we typically don't race there in September. Mm -hmm. uh, there could be a lot more, a lot more boat traffic and uh, visitors to the park. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see how it goes. But so so Cochrane Mill is usually in October, right? And then those two red top races are usually in November and December, right? Co correct. And, and we want to mirror that. We're getting a lot of emails, George, that a lot of people are asking, are you going to keep it around the same time? Right now, I would say yes. We are trying to keep it around the same time. I can't commit to the exact dates, but if you look at our 19 calendar, it should be pretty darn close. Very yeah. good. And what do you think the race uh, capacity will be for the red top races? My heart says 200. I want to go 250. I think 250 is a good round number. I don't know why I haven't done the math. There's no data around it, um, but I really think we can safely – I have 250 runners start. And I say that because at Cochrane Mill, George, you probably remember the, the main field's almost a half mile long. So we could even park cars, you know, one by one by one all the way down and still line up 250 runners. So mm -hmm. that's why I think it's, it's, I'm optimistic that 250 could start there with Cock, I'm sorry, with uh, red top, you've got a pretty large field too. Even if we have to draw a circle around it, I think we get 225 to 250 runners there um, because there's two races we could just space them out by 10 minutes now long course you go first 10 sure. minutes later we start short so we we've we have it on paper so to speak i just need to finalize it with the board and the state parks what, what kind of stuff um okay so so two questions um the first one is what kind of stuff do you have to because you just mentioned like the starting area mm -hmm. um and so when you're thinking about the number of people that are going to be able to start the race and you're thinking about the venue like what, what sort of 
what are you trying to do? Like, 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 what is your goal when you're thinking about what the start number is? Because obviously the goal is not, let's get as many people to start the race as we can. Right. 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 So, so, so what is the goal? Like, what are your primary priorities and motivations? Number one is safety. And I've said to our team and our volunteers, I won't plan a race if we can't do it safely. It doesn't matter if it lines up, you know, financially, if the state parks say, yeah, go for it. If everything looks good and the athletes are, are uh, anxious to race, if we can't do it safely, I won't start. And that's, that's my number one concern is, can we do it safely? Um, we're getting a little creative, to be honest with you. I'm even thinking of a time trial start and, and not even self-seating. It's send us your proposed time for you know, a 25K or a 50K or a half marathon. And we may do seating that way. We've, we've, we've tossed around an interesting idea of alphabetical just to mix it up a little bit. So an you alphabetical have so much order. passing on the course possibly though. <laughs> right. And that exactly our number one concern is the passing of uh, hundreds, a couple hundred athletes. So I really am leaning towards time trial starting uh, for trail races even just because I, I think it makes more sense for us. Okay. And so that actually segues into the other thing I was going to ask. So, so safety is the primary concern, which is obviously good to hear. Um, safety is a primary concern. And, and so with that in mind, you're talking about minimizing passing. So right. what are some other things that you have to think about that I might not necessarily be thinking about as a runner that, that you have to sort of set up in order to keep it safe? So, like, there's, like, there, yeah, so there's two things, George. One would be packet pickup. So what we would, we would encourage, uh, pre-race packet pickup, meaning even two days before. So we're partners with Big Peach Running Company. What I might say is, hey, we're going to set up our peak racing tent outside in the parking lot. Um, we'd love you guys, you guys to come by between you know 5 and 8 p.m. to take care of that. If not, come race morning. Again, we'll start as early as you know 5.30 or 6 a.m. Uh, we're going to have to wear masks and gloves. I know that's, that's non-negotiable. We're going to have to do that. We've even talk, talked about putting up a plexiglass in front of everyone. I know some of the larger stores are doing that. We've talked about doing stuff like that too. Um, we're going to minimize the number of items we give you, swag items. Like you may get your shirt and that's it. You know, there's, no, there's no peripherals, there's no bags, there's no anything else. We'll have gallons of hand sanitizer. We'll have extra masks. If George, you show up and say, I need a mask and gloves. We'll have them in your size. I mean, we're going to have from small to extra large gloves and, and one size fits all masks. So we've thought about that. The second part, which um, is is a little concerning is, are the age stations. Mm -hmm. I like, as a runner, I like having age stations out there. I don't like to hold things, but what we may have to do is encourage runners to have a handheld and or vest or pack, as you will, a hydration pack, just because I don't know if we can safely uh, distribute water or tailwind or other you know, beverages on course. Mm -hmm. uh, even if we have a volunteer with gloves and they have a five gallon cooler and they're the ones putting it in your bottle, I don't know if that's safe still, but we're leaning towards if we do have water on the course, the only person touching that table in the water would be the uh, educated volunteer, so to speak. I mean, it seems like for a trail race, not even encouraging, but mandating that you carry your own hydration, especially for the longer distance, would be more than reasonable at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. And what we see, Michelle, we see a lot of newer trail runners, which I think is fantastic because- They anyways put on a vest for a five mile run. <laughs> right, exactly, right. So, so <laughs> what we're going to start doing, Michelle, is, hey, you can go to Big Peach or online and you yeah. can buy a handheld bottle that holds 16 to 24 ounces, right? right. So we want to educate the runners that, hey, 
you know, it, it may be a little cumbersome at first, but once you train with this handheld or you have this pack on, it's, yeah. it's like another extension of you just like wearing a hat or a vest or, you know, a, a bib even. So I, I, I'm leaning I think people no will way. be so excited to be able to race that, you know, mandating that we carry our own hydration is like a small price to pay for getting to get out there and, and compete and run against other people and get yep. on the trails. I completely agree. And one thing we did, I don't know if, if you've heard from our, uh, our runners, but at our red top 25 K and 50 K, we actually had a, a drop station or a drop bag area. So we had one huge aid station because it's a multi-loop course and we had a drop area. So what we'd probably do if we were able to race this year, is just expand that drop bag area, right? So we would space it, you know, six feet apart. So we could literally line the entire field. So Michelle, yeah. you could have your bag, you know, and you can go to it. So that would eliminate the aid station completely because you would have your own fuel and hydration right there um, at your drop bag area. Right on, right on. Yeah. I can, you know, it's, it's funny. We were talking right before you came on, Tony, about um, the Blue Ridge Relay, which uh, sent out guidelines today that said, that in fact, they're going on. And, mm. and I'm, I'm entered in the Blue Ridge Relay. And, and I, I'm bringing this up because Michelle just mentioned people are going to be so excited to race. Last week when we were talking to Katie, who had raced, I was like, is it really all that great racing? Are you really all excited? I can tell you now that with the actual going to have a race on the calendar, I'm pretty psyched. Yeah, I can see um, that. Yeah. And so, so you know, in, in the abstract, oh, well, maybe I'll have a race this fall. You know, if I did have a race, would I really be that much more excited than I am now? I can tell you now that I do have a race on the calendar that I'm going to get to run, I'm fired up. Are you? Okay, um, so, so, so let me ask you this, George. If we said, George, you can come race Cochrane, but you're not going to get a shirt. I'd come. You yeah. still come because I, because I already coming. got a Cochrane Mill shirt, dude. It's you already got cool. the, exactly. I got that nice long sleeve burgundy job you gave me a couple of years ago. <laughs> there, you, there you go. There you go. So, so my, my point is, is one of the questions we're we're, we're going to start asking runners is, are you, would you be okay if you didn't get get anything physical? Meaning, there's mm -hmm. no shirt. You know, mm -hmm. you obviously have a bib, but there's no shirt. Mm -hmm. There's no flyers. There's no aid station. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll have some type of award maybe for overall. Mm -hmm. um, but, but what if we just did overall male, female, masters, grandmasters, something like that? There's no finisher medals, right? So we're trying to minimize the the touch. We're trying to minimize the yeah. the, the handing uh, person to person. I think the majority of runners would rather see race directors put the swag money into doing whatever needs to be done so that the race mm -hmm. can happen and they can go out there and run it. You know, versus I mean, we don't need another T-shirt. I guess right. I can't collectively for everybody but i would say especially trail runners or people that want to run a trail race we can all do without the shirt for the experience right. of getting to right. run the trail race safely um, especially during these times thank you for saying that because that does help actually because put that's a pull out you know so, i mean i don't know let's <laughs> see what people say let's see if i'm yeah, right yeah <laughs> i think we're gonna do drop it. us a line on facebook folks let us know but yeah, yeah. So, so tell me tell me this then so with that in mind um you know, we've talked before on this podcast and everybody has talked everywhere about, okay, so, so um, things that happened as a result or the way that your life changed as a result of lockdown or COVID-19, coronavirus, et cetera, like, and then the things you're going to keep, right? And so, so there's certain things in your life that you're going to keep that you change that you never necessarily did before, but, but now you're like, oh, I did this and I kind of like this. So I'm going to keeping this change in my life, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm wondering and I'm thinking out loud here and I just kind of want to know what you think. I'm wondering whether like getting a t-shirt and a finisher's medal and all this stuff for every single race, I wonder if this is going to be something that's disrupted by COVID-19 that actually causes a paradigm shift inside the racing world. I'm going to say yes. Mm -hmm. it, 
it has and it will continue for a while mm-hmm. because uh, I mean, Michelle just said, I don't need another shirt. And I think a lot of road and trail runners are both mm-hmm. saying that we don't need another shirt. Like a medal's cool, you know, but you know, I have my Ironman medals. I have, you know, marathon medals, but you know, I'll be honest, like I don't keep all the medals. I donate them back to a charity or sometimes I just say, I'm okay. I don't need that. Um, I've got drawers and drawers of shirts. So as, as a runner myself, I don't need extra stuff. Mm-hmm. I really don't. And I, I think we're going to see that going forward. People don't want stuff. They want experiences. They want to be with their friends yeah, and family. Was, and, you know, <laughs> I was just going to say that. I think people will pay big money or at least whatever the money is for the experience over stuff, you know, for a long time from now, because I don't think we're going to slowly forget what, you know, the last three to four months have been like and what it looks like this fall when we have almost no major races taking place. And yeah. And all you of saw our today. calendars are empty. So. Right. And you probably saw today in New York, I mean, canceled and, and not surprising, but it's just one more thing. You know, my wife ran sure. it a couple of years ago. It's like, wow, we really miss New York. So I really think it's going to be the experience of just getting out and running. And I'll let you guys in on a little secret that I don't usually make public, but you know, I'm on several race director forums. They've already said, the more senior race director, so to speak, they've said, plan on increasing your budget at least 15 to 20% per event, just because of the extra measures you're going to have to put in place. That's, that's, we're not talking about shirts and medals and whatnot. It's, it's, it's the medical, it's the, you know, hand sanitizers, the face mask, it's the plexiglass we talked about. It's, it's all that. And they said, that's it. That's minimal, like 15 to 20%. That's the minimum per event. So that's one of those things where you said, maybe there's no shirt, put it back into the race. Maybe that's what we have to do. We put the, some of the shirt budget into the medical and the safety aspects. And is that an even, um, like an apples for apples? Is the swag, you know, I mean, if you took out the swag, would you still be in budget 15 to 20% for that's tough. COVID-19 it, measures? It, it varies from race to race, to be honest with you. Uh, for a trail race, it it's pretty close to apples to apples, pretty close. But um, some races require us to have extra medical staff and some don't. Um, we always have a full staff. We, we never skimp on, on safety. And from Hotlanta down to Cochrane Mill, we always have a full, you'll probably even see an ambulance at every one of our races. If you don't see it, it's, it's just hidden in the back. But yeah, we typically do have at least two EMTs in an ambulance, even at a small trail race, just because of safety reasons. And uh, I have a medical director on our team and he's, he's an ex-fire chief and he knows what he's talking about. So if he says, bring the ambulance, we bring the ambulance. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the type of stuff that you could disclose to a small enough community of trail runners and just say, you know, this is what the swag costs. This is what it's going to cost us to take the precautionary measures in order to run the race. You know, we hope you understand. We hope you'll still join us. I mean, 225 people, you're going to be sold out and, you know, as soon as it opens. Right. I think yeah. so. <laughs> Let's hope. And we would have a, a waiting list. I mean, as a runner, I would like to know if a spot opens up. I'd like to be out there running with you guys. So, yeah. So you guys are giving me some good thoughts. I, this is, this is stuff I usually don't share, but um, no, thank you. That helps a lot. Can we have a five minute heads up when registration? <laughs> <laughs> Just for most pleasant exhaustion listeners. You got our I email think, addresses since you reached out to you. Tony. Exactly. On. And I think George, you probably have my phone number. We won't so tell just, anyone. We'll just post it on Facebook. And <laughs> peakracingevents.com. And then we'll go from there. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. But yeah. well, so that, that, that was well, the last thing to say. So peakracingevents.com. That's where we can see. 
that's where you can see it. And we use run sign up. So if a lot of people have actually left peakracingconventions.com, they know we're all on, all of our races are on run sign up. So they just go to run signup.com mm-hmm. and search for the race. But yeah, we, we literally put all of our races on the calendar, which we had 15 planned for 2020 and we only, we've only produced one so far. So do the math. It's been an interesting a rough spring. year. Yeah. But that one was a good one, though, Tony. Thank you. Right. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> we had great, great weather and we had a lot of fun. But, it yeah. was a good one. It was yeah, a good yeah. one. Well, Tony, we appreciate it, man. And, and we definitely hope that, that given all those measures you're putting in place and that 10 to 15 extra per, uh, percent you're spending and everything, that, that, that you're going to be able to, to pull it off and do it safely. And, uh, and we hope to join you, too. Thank you. We appreciate it. Hope to see you guys at the races later this year. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks, Tony. Right. Thanks, guys. See you. All righty. What do you think? So do you just kick him out? I just totally kicked him out. No, <laughs> he hung up. That's a, that's a, that's oh, okay. how he left. Yeah, no. Got no. It. Um, so well, for, fortunately, both he and Katie last week kind of said, oh, "Okay, I'll hang up," as opposed to me having to just like hang up on them. So yeah, we're sure. okay. Um, but but yeah, so we have a couple more things to talk about. But first, let's just talk about that. I mean, Michelle, you haven't you've already signed up for some other race. You're going to sign up for his races now too. Um, I hope so. I would love to get back out in Red Top. I haven't run out there in a few years. Uh, yeah. Red Top Rumble, for some reason, I mean, I think it's one of my favorite races, but the timing never works. It, I don't know. I'm and that's training not for something his else. Race, or, we should say. That's, it's not that's, his race. That's, that's another race. race in the same park. Right. Yeah, but, um, his race. but I do love Red Top. I just really love running there. So, and, and I would be even more excited to run further there if I knew that there was no off trail parts. <laughs> like being on the trail just makes me really happy. I don't love bushwhacking and stuff like that, but Fair. I do like being on the trail. So. Fair. Patrick, what do you think? Oh man, I thought there were two kind of key points there that he made. It's, it's interesting, like, you know, with this, you know, pandemic and with the, the quarantine and in many ways we've learned what we missed and we learn what we don't miss. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've learned is we miss the experience, not missing the t-shirts and the medals. Nope. <laughs> uh, but I think, that, I think that's an excellent point. I think that's something that, that that's something that, that, that arose out of the conversation that I hadn't considered before. And I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. Um, that, that I think that, that in, in this arena, like many others, um, the lockdown and the pandemic has focused us on the important things. And the important thing is the experience, not the t-shirt. I totally agree with you. Keep going. Yeah. And I just, I, it'd be fascinating to see, like, so he, as he mentioned, they might cut out the t-shirts and some of the other swag for safety precaution reasons, but then you wonder, are they going to learn, you know what, we cut this out and still had, yeah. you know, the same number of people sign up for, you know, all of our races from the New York city marathon all the way down to, um the one and only or the inaugural Jekyll Island half marathon mm-hmm. and then we'll you know will there be a lesson learned there I mean I know I for one can be a bit of a curmudgeon when I see some of the, the swag bags we get because I'm like holy smokes can we just you know calm it down a little bit but um you know it'll be interesting to see like I said how they adapt this in the short term but then what mm-hmm. they're the kind of the long-term lessons they'll learn I agree. as well I you agree. know, financially, if these races can cut out the expenditure on swag and then, you know, a year or so from now, they get to get back to their full, full schedules and they don't have that extra 15 or 20 percent for the COVID-19 safety measures. I mean, if they can if they can last it out two or three years, then, you know, they might get to more of a back in the black or break even. And this year might not be as detrimental in the long run as it seems like it's going to be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a business. So if they can run these races and they can fill them up and people don't really care about the swag, go for it. <laughs> Why yeah. not? Or, or and, make the swag for sale. You know, if you really want some type yeah. of paraphernalia, you'll buy it. Mm-hmm. I would. 
And where I see it really being a big difference is not so much with like the New Yorks and the Boston's, like the, the big... The smaller races, sure. But more the more mid-sized races. Yeah, where you're kind of thinking, man, I paid $45 for this and maybe 20 of it went into a t-shirt or 15. I don't really know how much a t-shirt costs, but sometimes you're like, yee, can we <laughs> give the extra you know, money to, to charity potentially mm-hmm. that, that it's going towards? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I think it'll be very interesting to see if if there is if there is a post COVID, like, like once we get beyond having to spend the extra 10 to 15%, will we continue to not have metals and shirts and big plastic bags filled with a whole bunch of plastic stuff? And three like, awards I, for multiple age groups. I mean, yeah. that's a little unnecessary. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see. Um, and if it, and if that does happen, how long will that last? Um, um, so yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not the sort that thinks that, oh, everybody has to finish a medal and that's terrible. I don't feel that way. I, mean, I, I don't feel that way about it, but but I do, I am interested to see. So, yeah. So we'll see. And I mean, I'm obviously speaking, I have like medals in the back right behind me. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's- Me too. And, and everyone may think- I'm, I'm, I'm wearing the t-shirt from, from one of his races <laughs> so, that we ran. I mean, that's, you know- yeah. I'm more speaking, what I'm speaking, what I'm saying is almost like, it's going to be interesting to see mm-hmm. kind of what, what turns out from this. I mean- yeah. Um, yeah. You know, innovation is spurred by necessity a lot of times. Mm-hmm. This could certainly be one of those spots. Yeah, and and I think that that you know, Michelle and I have talked about about other parts of our lives, our professional lives, and and, and that sort of thing that 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 are different and are going to be different. Period. In the future, like like they're just they're just going to be different. Our lives have been changed, and and this opened our eyes to certain things that we weren't necessarily uh, aware of, and and our lives are going to be different in the future. Um, and, and I think that, that this could potentially be one of those things. Will, will running and will racing be permanently changed by this? Um, I think it'll be interesting to see. Time will tell. We'll, we'll check back in in five years and see. Um, all right. Let's, let's talk about a couple more final things here. Of course, we, uh, we, we started talking about all the stuff that was canceled. We talked about New York. We talked about Berlin. Berlin actually said they'll give you a full refund or they'll let you defer your entry into 2021. Um, so... For me today, there was it was sad in some ways, even though I knew Berlin was going to be canceled, um, because it was finally like the last nail. It's, it was like it was like all right. So I was supposed to do, and I remember having the podcast and talking about how great 2020 was going to be. It was Tokyo, Boston, Berlin, and so today, not anymore. The third of those three was canceled. <laughs> um, you know, and, and so they made that announcement. So so yeah, uh, today was 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 sad. Uh, so a lot of emotions for me today, but. Um, I think that I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna try and do Berlin in 2021, um, and I think I'm gonna do Tokyo in 2022 because uh, we have the option to defer then. And then Boston's kind of an open question. I'll do that sometime in the future, but I don't have plans to sign up in 2021 or 2022. So we'll see. We'll see. We. Uh, I wanted to talk about Lachlan Morton and, and Everesting. I wanted to talk about Mo Fair attempting the hour record. I did check my calendar for September 4th to make sure that. You know, I'm not going anywhere or doing anything because I do want to watch Mo Farah try to break that record. <laughs> All right, very good. So yeah, the, the hour record, as it suggests, and which is a big deal in cycling too. It's basically how far can you run in an hour, um, and so so it's not about and the on distance, a track, it's about the time on a track. Yeah, and so um, it's somewhere it'll it'll be somewhere around 13.2 or 13.3 miles, something like that. So so we'll see. It'll be over a half marathon, I'm sure. Um, but uh, but we'll, we'll see how well. Do you he think does they'll do that. it early in the morning or late at night? I don't know. What did you read? I didn't read either way. I would okay. just much rather it be, you know, late at night versus mm-hmm. 
the middle of the night for us. <laughs> I, I, I think it's interesting to see, I, I just think it's interesting to see, see athletes doing sort of innovative things. Um, yeah. you know, the, the Atlanta track club had this dual meet, they called it uh, this past weekend on Saturday night, they streamed it on Facebook live. Um, and it was the Oregon track club versus the Atlanta track club. And they did a 600 meter race. They did a 1200 meter race and then they did a two by two by 400 meter race. Right. Um, and so the 600 meter race, it would, they had one guy on the track in Oregon, one guy on the track in Atlanta, and they both ran 600 meters and the guy in Oregon ran faster. So he won. And then they did it with one woman, one woman, the woman in Oregon ran faster. Then they did 1200 meters, one guy in Georgia, one guy in Oregon, the guy in Oregon went faster again. Um, then they did one woman in Georgia and one woman in Oregon and the woman won in Georgia. That's because the woman in Oregon didn't run. <laughs> yeah, so, so the woman in, in, in Oregon scratched out. Yeah, let's not get by down in detail. George. Uh, <laughs> Michelle, come on. Hometown I mean, team. That's right. I know Atlanta's, never let the facts, you know, I'm a big fan of Atlanta track story, club, Michelle. but <laughs> come so, on. I, I agree with you, Michelle. I, I'm a member of the Atlanta track club. I'm a fan. I've raced with their singlet on, but, uh, but we're just not Oregon, you know, they, track they, club they got their elite level quite yet, yeah. but it was a so, great, and it was all done on iPhones. Two, two and, by two by 400 was actually kind of cool. Yeah. So two by two by 400, you had a guy and it was a mix as well. So, so you had, you had a man and a woman, uh, in Atlanta and a man and a woman in Oregon. Um, and the, the lead off was guy versus guy. They both ran. And then they passed off to, to the woman on their team. The women both ran. And they passed off to the same guy that had just done the leadoff leg. And he had to run another one. And then he passed off to the same woman that had done the second leg, and she did the anchor. Um, and so the, uh, the Oregon Track Club won by about Can four. I just say that was my favorite part of the whole thing? Like, oh, yeah. I don't know why we don't just have more relays and make mixed it more relays? a team sport. Oh, more relays in general? Yeah, relays yeah and, and mix as well. Like – it was it was mixed and it was only two where everybody's going to run two legs twice. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just devastating. But they crossed the finish line and Avery Bartlett, who's a who's was one the guy who ran the two by two by four hundred for uh for for Atlanta. Um, he said I haven't had this and he was bent over of course breathing hard. And he's like I haven't <laughs> had this feeling in six months. Yeah, um, and that's kind of the point um, is that 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 none of them had raced even at something like this you know since the early part of the indoor season. Um, and so I think that a lot of them were itching to race. Um, and so that's exactly what they did. And I guess we'll go ahead and talk about the Everest thing there. Lachlan Morton, did you, the NPR reported on it this morning. It has hit the mainstream news. Did well, you see that? I mean, the poor guy basically did it twice. Yeah, <laughs> I saw it because yeah. you texted it to me, but so, I read so the NPR had an article welcome. also. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, Lachlan Morton is a pro on the, uh, the, the EF Draypack team, the education first Draypack team. Um, he's Australian, but he lives in Boulder, Colorado. And, um, as we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast already, a lot of cyclists are, are, uh, going out and doing Everesting attempts, which is where they get as much vertical gain in a single ride as you would get riding to the top of Mount Everest. So, so 29,028 feet here. Um, he went out on a Saturday and did it in about seven and a half hours, setting a new record. And then he sent his file to the certification group, which is called the Hells 500. He sent it to them and said, here it is. They looked at it and came back four days later and said, you didn't ride enough. What 1,500 feet short. Yeah, he was 1,500 <laughs> feet short. So, so what he did is he looked at a Strava segment and the Strava segment said, this is how many feet you get in a single ascent here. And so he said, based on that, I got to do it 42 times. So he did it 42 times. And then he sent his, his file. Um, and, and the Strava segment basically was wrong. Um, 
he should have been going by his own GPS because his own GPS just showed, you know, seven, 27,000 something feet. Um, and, and he was like, ah, no, it's all the same. And he sends it and they sent it back and they said, this doesn't count. So he went out again a couple days later, a week after the first attempt and did it again. Um, and this and time did he did one extra care- lap this time. He did one extra <laughs> lap. He was more careful this time. He ensured they did. He did 48 repetitions rather than 42 repetitions because based on the new math, that's how much it was going to take. Um, and once again, went faster than Keegan Swenson or Phil Guyman or any of the other uh, pros who have been doing it over the course of the last little while. So, so uh, who's going to break the record next week? Who's going to go Everstein before our next podcast? Not Lachlan Morton. He has said that two times in a week is enough <laughs> for him, but, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, last word. How's virtual Ram, George? We so want to hear there, all about there, it. There are three virtual Ram races. There's virtual Ram, there's virtual raw, which is race across the West. And there's virtual Ram, the 60. And I've been doing the 60, which is basically one ride a day for 12 days. Uh, I'm currently sitting in third place after nine. That's stages. up two places from last week. So right? it is. And so, so currently sitting in third, locked in a pretty tight battle with a guy from Kansas for third, pretty far behind second totally far behind first about eight minutes in front of fifth and and as of the end of stage nine i was 23 seconds in third so so i am fighting for my life to keep your podium podium here (laughs) so you know it so i've already done stage 10 so i have two stages left to go i'm one day ahead since we're going out of town i'm not gonna be able to do the last day had to double up on monday and that was pretty devastating but doing time trials every day it's hard how do your legs feel (laughs) I'm pretty worn out. Yeah, I'm pretty tired. Um, but I kind of feel like I'm going to finish strong. We'll see. We'll see. Patrick, final words? Not much. Good to talk to everybody. Good to talk to Tony, hear about his uh, experience kind of behind all the directing and kind of hear his thought process for putting some of these races on. Yeah, absolutely. Michelle, final words? Not much. Definitely going to keep the you know Peak Events page open in my browser and see what absolutely. comes up and when stuff opens up. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next time in the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. And you can always download our podcast from Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, ITL Coaching and Performance at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, at Facebook, facebook.com slash itlcoachingandperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. You can check out Blue Pineapple Travel at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, SlayerX. You can find them at slayerx.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash here4slayerx. That's the number four, here4slayerx. On Instagram at here4slayerx, again the number four, and on Twitter at officialslayrx. Don't forget the discount code PLEASANT2020. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger and Michelle Frank, this is George Darden. We appreciate you joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.